Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This film talked about the kind of issues with the media and technology at the time, the way Black Mirror does about what's happening now, very much so. Um, and especially in terms of like, it's warping our lives and it's going to doom us all, like inevitably. Yes, I like, mean, they, William Holden's character, Max Schumacher, frequently kind of has all this kind of meta dialogue, doesn't he, about kind of TV's effect and how it's going to destroy us all. Well done for making it so far. It's episode 68. Hello, thanks for listening. Today in the studio, I'm with Kobe. Hi. And our guests are Liam. Hey. hey. And Eleanor. Hi. And we will be reviewing the film Network. Come find us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod. Visit the website FlixWatcher.tv for full listings. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us an awesome review. And as we always say, guys... All the films were available on Netflix at the time of recording. There was going to be bad language. There's going to be spoilers. And we hope you enjoy it. See you later. Hello and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Today in our recording studio, we have Liam and Eleanor. If you would like to say hello to our listeners and uh, tell them a little bit about the podcast that you both do. Okay, uh, I'm Liam. I do a podcast called Spotlight. Uh, it's a Star Trek podcast with a difference because me, Paul and Matt, the three guys who host it, weren't big Star Trek fans before we went in, uh, which is a bit odd considering we're making a Star Trek podcast. But the idea of it is we were hoping to view what is a very fan-driven franchise from a kind of fresh perspective, uh, being that there's a new Star Trek series just come out, Star Trek Discovery. Um We've kind of been going for about a year and a half now, uh, really, really enjoying it. We've actually managed to have some quite big guests on. We've had Robert Salen, who's the producer of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, and if you're not into Star Trek, we have actually had Richard Donner uh, on the podcast, director of Lethal Weapon, The Goonies, Scrooge, The Omen, Superman. Um, that was absolutely fantastic to interview him. So there's things for other people Scrooge? too. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't Did know why you? I didn't know that. There you go, How mate. dare me? Need to listen to the podcast, obviously. Well, I, there I it is. Do. I did do <laughs> Yeah, you, <laughs> you still didn't learn anything, did you, Kobe? I heard about some impending potential of the news. But, uh... Oh, yes, yes, yes. He did He did drop uh, exclusively on our podcast news of Lethal Weapon 5 happening. Uh, but since that podcast went out, uh, apparently that's kind of been scrubbed. So, But it might be like um, the Bill and Ted 
three where it comes it, back it keeps, it's keeps going like a yo-yo yeah. I think Dick is still really hopeful <laughs> that it happens <laughs> uh, so, that's, that's yeah. how much of a buddy now do this at home yeah, just, yeah he's like, when, just I, when I was speaking texting to Dick, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> if you listen to the podcast you will hear that he does demand that we, we call him Dick so they... hey man call me Dick yeah. <laughs> uh, Eleanor yeah, so I uh, do a podcast called Bygones uh, with my sister, my older sister. And basically uh, what we do is each episode, um, we watch an episode of Ali McBeal um, through 2018 eyes because uh, we feel that whilst there were some things that were still good about Ali McBeal, other things seem to have dated quite badly. So is this, because I've... I mean, there's I been quite quite watching. a. It's a thing at the moment, isn't it? Um, obviously, Friends. Yeah, I was going to say Friends is on Netflix, and people are discovering it for the first time and realizing so that be? it's it's terrible, which is what I've said all along, <laughs> basically. But now people are coming around to my feelings. But yeah, basically, the '90s. It turns out <laughs> were not great. <laughs> not so aggressive. To no. gay people, people of color women generally humor was a humor was a different thing then so like <laughs> like we kind of look on our parents humor as a bit like oh we're now looking back at the 90s going oh, oh we weren't so great either <laughs> has, has there been anything kind of specific that sort of stood out that you maybe glossed over or didn't kind of find offensive then or is it oh yeah like loads <laughs> in this rewatch so I, I, I uh, don't know whether you ever sort of got into Ali McBeal not really no, no. well so <laughs> so basically like her main love interest for the first couple of seasons is this guy, guy called Billy and on the rewatch we're like Billy was a complete asshole like why was she so into Billy and I remember loving Billy when I first watched it and now we're watch- re-watching it and going what the fuck is up with this like he's such a douche and uh also things just like uh the use of the words like prostitute and hooker and just really casually flung out there and and we're just like mm, that doesn't feel were, right now were there any gay characters in there that were there um, the subject of th- there will uh, not that we've come across just yet because we've now done we've just finished recording our eighth episode mm. um i think in the n- upcoming episodes though there is a trans character right um and i'm a bit kind of like oh i really don't know yeah. how they're gonna treat this character just how well it will be will have, have been done because in that mold as well um Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. That's a film. That's a film. I'm probably never going to watch again. Mm. I mean, yeah. for me, that's a big no-no. Anyway, I mean, you I didn't just, like it anyway. No. Well, I, I used to. I loved it. I did. I yeah, yeah. I did. But now, day, yeah. now more woke. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's not acceptable. Right. It is because my my wife started watching Party of Five, which is on either Netflix or Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was telling me about a scene where the main guy who was also in Lost, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, Matthew Fox. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but he went on a date with a girl and she got really drunk and he's like, yes, I'm going to get in there. And <laughs> What a legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like... That's yeah, bit, that's kind of the done thing in America though, isn't it? Yeah. Teens, date rape, they love that. 
Well, also the thing with Ali McBeal as well is obviously it's a legal uh, drama and literally yes. every case they take on is about sexual harassment. But it's always that they're defending the guy who's accused of sexual harassment yeah. and basically proving that sexual harassment it, is absolutely fine. Yeah, like, like David E. Kelly, who like wrote the large majority of the episodes. Which is bizarre, isn't it? That, that guy yeah. Wrote yeah. female. Well, and you can see why. Exactly. Well, there are loads of times where I'm like, I'm so annoyed that this man has put these words in this woman's mouth. It's really irritating me. Um, like, uh, but yeah, he seems to have a bit of a fixation on sexual harassment cases and proving what a load of... What, what has he been saying in the recent hashtag Me Too? He's is probably it... been quite quiet. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I haven't think... heard anything from him. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, I don't <laughs> Um, we're not alluding to anything. <laughs> okay, so don't get Ali McBeal on us, David E. Kelly. <laughs> Liam, we're, we're talking about Network, which is the film that you chose. Um, can you tell us what happens in Network and why you chose it for us? I can. What happens in Network is Howard Beale, who's played by Peter Finch, the longtime news anchorman for TV network UBS, is told by his best friend Max Schumacher, who's played by William Holden, who also happens to be the news division president for the channel, that he's going to be fired and taken off the air in two weeks due to low ratings. The following night, Bill announces on live TV that he plans to kill himself on his last broadcast. He gets pulled off the air immediately fired but he manages to convince Max to let him go back on, say goodbye to his viewers, promising he'll behave himself this time. But instead, he starts ranting that life is bullshit. However, it turns out that his crazy antics have caused a massive rating spike. So the network executives choose to keep Howard on the air, despite the fact that he appears to be having a nervous breakdown. Uh, the reason I chose this film is, number one, Kobe uh, told me to choose a decent film on pain of death uh, <laughs> to avoid... Uh, another that thing you do debacle that is um, um, <laughs> that is exactly what I wrote in an email um, but also because uh, I think it's still extremely relevant considering it was made in 1976 um, you know I think pretty much everything it said about kind of media and TV has basically come true um, but not also that but the fact that obviously Black Mirror is a very successful TV series on Netflix. And I think a lot of younger people are really, really into that, but might not realize that pretty much all the ideas in it kind of can be sourced back to network. At the end of the day, you can totally see that that would have been the big influence on Charlie Brooker's work in Black Mirror later on. And uh, I think it's very ahead of its time. Uh, for that reason, also Aaron Sorkin, massive influence on his writing style as well. Um, so, and I, sorry, I, I, I often get a bit of a bee in my bonnet about people not acknowledging the influences and history that go into things that they're like, oh, this is amazing. This is really kind of, you know, revolutionary. I'm like, well, if you look back, there's probably some influences sourced back in the day. So I think it's, it's ripe for rediscovery by a younger generation. Um, this is a Sydney Lumet Lumet. <laughs> well, I'm just going to have this debate. Are we Lumet or Lumet? Listen, I'm, I'm Lumet. What are you guys? Well, I'm not sure. I quite like Lumet. I think that sounds... It, it sounds posh. Let's just but call him posher. Sid. Right. <laughs> Good old Sid. Or uh, well, it's, it's our second Sid film. Yeah. We, we had uh, Serpico was brought to the, the Flixwatcher table um, by Little White Lies. Yeah. Um, no longer on Netflix. So Little White Lies Sadly. and also... Um, 
Easy Riders Raging podcast. Yeah, we did that. Um, and it's it's sort of been a bit of a joke between me and you, but we've not we hadn't seen it. And so we were saying, have you seen it yet? And we're like, nah, someone's going to pick it soon. Someone will pick it soon. <laughs> and then you picked it. Yay. Yay. There we go. Yeah, it's um, unfortunately Serpico's no longer on Netflix, which is very sad because it's an excellent film. Um, it's just this and The Porn Broker at the moment that are available on Netflix, which is a shame because uh, Sid is a very <laughs> prolific filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, he's directed so many like huge films. Obviously, his directorial debut was 12 Angry Men. Was that his debut? It was his, oh, was it was it? his feature debut. He directed oh, okay. some TV and stuff before then, okay. but that was his feature say, debut. Um, straight out the gate. Strong, so strong was... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> a strong career he had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dog Day Afternoon he directs as well, yeah. obviously. That's on Now TV at the moment. Sorry um, to name another streaming service. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, he's, he's dead now, obviously, but his last film was Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. And that's a great way to go out and doesn't seem like a film from an older director either. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's definitely an important director, I think. Yeah. Um, so what, in terms of, in terms of just the structure of network, looking at other media-based um films we've recently had uh the post yeah um and also then that leads straight into all the president's men looking at spotlight as well how does it compare to uh, anchorman how does it compare to <laughs> well i mean the the weird thing is i would say network is closer to anchorman than spotlight or uh the post because not only is it actually about a news anchor um, who's on screen uh, whereas the post and spotlight about print news uh but also it is, it's a funny film. You know, it is a satire, uh, first and foremost. And as the film goes on, it only becomes more and more ridiculous. I mean, you know, there's a certain point where it kind of turns into, you feel like you're watching like a Zucker Brothers film or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, when you get to the kind of revolutionaries making a kind of, you know, uh, docudrama about them and stuff like that. It's, it, it becomes very zany. Yeah. Uh, so, so I would say it is closer to things like Anchorman than uh, the more serious kind of films. But this is, did it win Oscars? Um, it did. It so did uh, I did a bit of research on this because this is really interesting. So it got three in the acting category yeah um fade on away and uh peter finch which was the first posthumous oscar to be given okay and only two have been given and they both have been to australian actors and it also has the shortest oscar winning performance beatrice what was her name it's Finch beatrice straight straight i can't read my own handwriting her what three minute four minute performance yeah, Who's it's very short. Play? She's William Holden's wife in it, so oh. Max Schumacher's oh, really? uh, wife. Oh, so, yeah. so she's on two two scenes, is she? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. that's it. So that is an Oscar-winning performance, and it also won for screenplay as well. And uh, Sidney Lumet was gutted to have lost out to Rocky for best film. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, lost to Rocky that year. Uh, quite right, obviously, as Rocky <laughs> is a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it was yeah very successful uh, film, and uh, as you say, yeah, Peter Finch's last screen performance in terms of big screen, he did do a TV movie um, after this, but this is his last big screen role. So what, he, what he nearly doing? had a heart attack, didn't he? Or he actually yeah. had a he had real heart problems at the time. Right, um, that, he died of a heart attack, but he either had a heart attack or actually collapsed during one of the kind of big sort of shouty scenes in there and that it's actually you kind of 
notice it once you know that fact that it's kind of been spliced together from two performances. Well, all those bits in the film when he collapses on screen are just the only kind of takes that they had. It was just him collapsing for real. Oh, really? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I was ready to be bought in by you. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's one of those films that a lot of kind of the sort of legend and stories precede it in that you, you know a lot more about it than before you actually get to see it. And also... Mm. Um, well, I don't... I, tell me, Helen, what, what did I know about it that I didn't know? Well, all, all of these kind of the Oscars that it won mm. and, you know, how kind of cemented people like Faye Dunaway is in it playing a complete kind of bitch character and she was sort of told you know if you do this your career will be over and you'll be typecast and you'll never work again things like that and also I was reading that basically George Clooney um sort of did was trying to do an experiment with it and he got a group of sort of of teenagers or something to watch it and they didn't get it they didn't realize that it was satire because obviously now things about the Russians and the Arabs are kind of like oh yeah well you know that kind of is happening (laughs) yeah yeah well and also even just the The way reality tv and yeah exactly the the way the the news show gradually becomes a variety show because the the whole thing is is you know there's this argument in the film uh william holden's character max schumacher is trying to stop is they're taking the news division and giving it to like the programming division. So it's basically lumping it into kind of fictional programming. So it's like this fictionalization and, you know, of the news and just making it more and more sensational. I mean, by the end, it becomes a variety show, doesn't it? And like, you know, and, you know, now if you look at some of the news shows in America, uh, things like Fox News and kind of hard copy and stuff, that that's what they, they seem like. They do seem like these crazy it don't seem like straight news shows at all do you ever watch um last week tonight with john oliver uh yes occasionally yeah because he always has that section and now this where he's scanned to like local news people mm. and the, the idiotic things that they're doing um and that that reminded me of a fair few th- a fair few things that happened in this always like this is what local news is doing on saint patrick's day and they're all doing like leprechaun things and like that's <laughs> like that, that's actually ridiculous it kind of reminds me a little bit of what's that jake gyllenhaal movie um oh nightcrawler yeah yeah where that, no, there it's, are similarities. it's at the beginning of if it bleeds it leads yeah kind yeah. of news programming and faye dunaway's character in this is very similar to the female character in nightcrawler who i can't can we remember. get a name for her this <laughs> yeah i can't remember who the woman her. in nightcrawler. <laughs> a woman, um, a woman. <laughs> but he's a very similar character definitely and you know like like you say faye dunaway was warned that this would kind of you know lead to tight costs but she completely jumps into it. i think she gives a brilliant performance in this and she's great Really, yeah. really good. Uh, Rene Russo, for the record, is... Uh, yeah. Ah, record. there we go. Yeah, 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 Rene Russo. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely some similarities yeah. with that. So it's still influencing people now, very mm. much so. Uh, how does this rank in your... I, I don't think I've seen that many Sydney Lumet films and I need to catch up. I didn't even really know he existed until a few years ago. Um, but where does this rank in your canon of his films? Uh, pretty... You've seen? Pretty highly, I would say. I think, looking, you know, I've written down the films of his I've seen here. I'd say 12 Angry Men is kind of still top dog, mm. really. Uh, that and Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico. 
uh, are all up there. But I'd say this is up there with kind of network and... Uh, this is network. Yeah, it's, it's up there with network. Uh, it, network is up there with network. At least as good as network. I would say it's up there with Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, also The Verdict. That's a very good courtroom drama with Paul Newman. Mm. Um, that's very good as well. Uh, and, you know, I must, as I say, shout out to the pawnbrokers. That's the only other Lumet uh, film on Netflix. And that is, that's a good movie Yeah, as well. Uh, excellent performance from Rod Steiger. Um, did anyone hear or see the documentary? Well, there's a documentary and the TV and the film based on, um, I think she's called Catherine Chubbuck. The lady who actually, the newsreader who shot herself and committed suicide on screen. Oh, this is the oh, one I've with the uh, what's her name in it, Rebecca, Rebecca Hall. Hall. Rebecca Hall yeah. in the in the film in the dramatization, but there's also a documentary about it. I've not seen it, but I had heard of of that. Well, the, this was part inspiration yeah. for it. Mm. So it begins to that kind of that's a film I kind of want to watch, but it's a morbid fascination thing, isn't it? Yeah, because mm. it's <laughs> it it. Because I'm someone who really likes true crime, but that doesn't feel like true crime. That just looks like true tragedy. Like mm. this poor woman. I don't know the whole story with her, but... Have uh, you watched the documentary in there? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't watched uh, any of it. I mean, I've heard the Jamatati's version is actually better than the documentary version. Okay. Um, I've heard, but I'd definitely like to see it. Uh, yeah, obviously it happened a couple of years before Network came out. Yeah. Um, however, the screenwriter, um, Paddy Chayeski, um, says that he was writing this before that happened. Uh-huh. So he, although lots of people have obviously let to the thing of, oh, obviously you must have been influenced, he kind of says no. Uh, but whether that's true or not, I don't know. Yeah. Um, anything else to say, guys, before we go into the scores? Um, yeah, I mean, we can leap into scores and then and talk then some more. Talk some more. So yeah, the spreadsheet of dreams brings up the scoring for network and um, we'll start off with the recommendability and uh, we'll go to you, Liam, as it should Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd give it a five. I, I think it's one that people should see. I think it's as relevant now as when it was made because although uh, I would say that kind of, you know, all of the stuff in it uh, has kind of become true you can still apply kind of what's happening to now in terms of turning news into a business and uh, because you know one of the arguments in this very early on the film they actually say that in the past they've always taken a hit in terms of profit uh, with the news like it's never been profitable mm. and that's fine because it's it's the news it's not there for profit <laughs> um and now they're like no that's got to change it's now a business and this is what we're going to go forward doing and that is obviously very much what's happened and i think yeah it really i think it plays very well uh, so i think it's an important film that people should still see yeah i mean we're hearing that more and more these days that films are relevant to the times even though they're still they're mm. all is that the really is, good ones are yeah. yeah not the crap ones <laughs> <laughs> i mean what one i mean sharknado 3 is never going to be revered <laughs> in well, 10 years time is it really i mean i guess in terms of the post truth post trump post trumpian um era but the thing is a lot of these films a lot of films that come out recently people say are so prescient nowadays but films take so much time to make that they're often made before even trump came out and came out so that's one reason I really like the post 
because it's it's quite yeah. just because Steven Spielberg, still Steven Spielberg, I call him Steve. Um, <laughs> Steve Stevie, 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 <laughs> the other Stevie Wonder. Um, he made this film because in direct response to the Trump uh, yeah. administration. So it's rare that people can actually. It's rare that it actually happens. A lot of times, it just it's coincidence. And I think, um, do you think that it's coincidence now that network is is um, chiming and now with the I guess with the modern era, is that just was it inevitable? Do you think? I don't know that it is because I think part of the reason that it feels so relevant is because it's talking about kind of uh, it sort of speaks to sort of dis- disillusionment with sort of capitalism and modern life and and this kind of panic around technology and that it's warping the human experience and so in network it's all about the television and how it's warping the human experience and obviously as technology progresses there's always going to be panic around what this technology is doing to our lives so that's what you're saying about black mirror is that they're talking about digital what's talking about tv is talking about internet and is talking about um yeah, yeah. Uh, i think this film uh talked about the kind of issues with the media and technology at the time the way black mirror does about what's happening now very much so um and especially in terms of like it's warping our lives and it's going to doom us all like inevitably yes i like... mean they william holden's character max schumacher frequently kind of has all this kind of meta dialogue doesn't he about kind of tv's effect and how it's going to destroy us all and kind of you know Faye dunaway is becoming kind of television incarnate and everything like that you know that's that's very much what it's about and there's also an element of the kind of angry white man type thing isn't there yeah. with uh you obviously with finch's character you know the i'm mad as hell and i'm not gonna take it anymore has become a real kind of almost rally cry (laughs) yeah and it's funny because i i read i read a book like a few years ago called um angry white man angry white man that is uh about angry white men (laughs) and it's it's it mentions this film in it as a pointing to around a chapter on outrage media and how uh, this outrage media has kind of increased with uh, as white men have felt less entitled mm. and and it's so you get people like Rush Limbaugh and and that increasing in in popularity the more sort of oppressed white men are feeling like so it and I think it it, it points to network as like this is where that kind of feeling starts this is a white man getting out of his pram because he doesn't feel relevant anymore and and yeah like well he's yeah the mad prophet of the airwaves is what they call him isn't it was that um do you think that was his oscar scene that they sent through the mad as hell scene oh yeah i'm I'm sure you know that 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 is the scene as soon as he did it that you know the oscar was a certified win definitely i don't know don't know who else he was up against um eleanor recommendable oh yeah um so yeah i put four um four stars because uh yeah i i just was very surprised at how relevant it felt basically and i was just uh, and yeah i could see the parallels between this and something like black mirror the first time watching it yeah yeah helen um i'm gonna go four as well um i mean it's a great film it's really interesting and 
for its time, you, you kind of forget that it was made in 76. But I don't know, I, I was a little bit disappointed that I wasn't blown away by it given sort of hype and the prestige that it came along with. Mm. Um, there's lots of things that I really did like it, but I wanted to like it more, but it just didn't quite get me, which I think that was a little bit with Serpico as well. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something about me and an old Sid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm really trying to, so you're, to you're, get engaged with him. But you're in the 12 Angry Men um, no, I think a Twelve Angry Men is a masterpiece. Well, that's what I mean. I yeah, so that's yeah. your that's your pinnacle. Yeah, pinnacle Lamet. When I watched Dog Day Afternoon, I thought that was amazing as well. But yeah, yeah I mean, it is great. It's but I was I was expecting to be wowed a little bit more. I think so. so four. four. Yeah, I think I'm a uh, three and a bit, three point nine. Because I, I think I'm similar <laughs> to yourself, Helen. And I because everyone talked about it. It's in the Lamet. I was like this is going to be the best film ever. Um, <laughs> so it's probably just the, the downsides of high expectations, I guess, um, sometimes, isn't it? So, um, and that's probably why, and like I saw Black Panther and everyone said it's like the best Marvel film ever. And I thought it's very good, but if I'd gone in with lower expectations, maybe I would have mm. come out with it seen okay. a bit more. So I think it's probably that effect, that effect, which mm. is, so maybe having a lower recommendability score makes it, will mean that people have a better experience with the film doing it a favor yes <laughs> i mean we we mentioned sort of briefly before we were recording that sort of the influence that it had and um we sort of mentioned like the social network yeah being a film that you can kind of feel the influence in obviously through aaron sorkin i would argue any of sorkin's films <laughs> i mean yeah i really do think if you look at the dialogue style in this and uh, you just look at it and go yeah Aaron Sorkin took everything from this and has been cribbing off it ever do you think since it, do you think it's that quippy and fast paced with the dialogue as, as Sorkin um I don't know I think it's got a lot of good snappy dialogue in it mm. um maybe not as fast paced as Sorkin but I think that's simply a change with the times kind of thing, you know, of how kind of fast paced films are sure. and stuff like that. Uh, but I know it was a massive influence on him. And I think that is, is very obvious as well. Like, you know, I'm not saying that Sorkin doesn't have his own distinct style, uh, but I just think it's, it's clear why this would be a real benchmark for him. Cool. Um, repeat viewing score. Go for yourself, Liam, first. Uh, I would probably say around a three. Uh, like this is the second time I've watched it, and you know I'm, I'm glad I watched it a second time. I, I think it does have layers. Uh, I think I saw more in it this time than I did the first time. Uh, so I definitely think it's worth a rewatch. I don't think I'd leap to watch it again, okay. uh, but definitely it's it's definitely got one good rewatch in it, and you know I wouldn't complain about watching it again. Eleanor, I'm gonna go with three point five. Like I think there. It was the first time I watched it, this this viewing. Um, and so I really didn't know what to expect um, and was, like I say, surprised how relevant it felt. And when it finished, I was like, oh, you know what? I do feel like I want to watch it again and because I think that there are things that I would have missed on a first viewing sure. that I'd pick up on a second. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be more than happy to watch this again. Hello. Um, I'm gonna go for a three. Um, I uh, I I would probably watch it again. Also, I I found it 
took a little bit of time for me to get into its style and the humour. And I think having kind of watched all the way through, I'd be a bit more receptive to its style and, and kind of get along with it a little bit more, kind of knowing the trajectory and sort of its its vibes, whereas it, it was quite hard to keep going a little bit with... Cause it's kind of a bit odd. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, I mean... It is, it, and, you know, I really want to watch this. I really want to think it's amazing, but I'm kind of still trying to work out, oh, yeah, that is funny. Yeah, the, yeah, that, yeah, we're meant to be laughing. Oh, I kind of miss what was said there. And so mm. I, I, I'm i not immediately going to watch it, but um, I'd like, quite like to yeah. see a remake of it. I think it's probably prime for a bit of a remake. I, I think, think they could have a lot of fun with it. I am agreeing with you, but giving it a higher score based on those reasons in terms of... I'm giving it a four. Mm. Um, I think I, yeah, when I, at the start, obviously he's talking about committing suicide. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> this is where we're, okay, this is this kind of film, is it? And then it becomes at some point obser- a, a bit absurd. And I didn't really see the ch- the change in the tonality. And I was like, I've missed something here, actually. And that's why I think I want to go back again. And I think, as you say, Liam, in terms of the layering there, it's... Um, there's a lot in there that I think when I talk about the repeat viewing score here, it's not necessarily just the fact that I want to see it again, but I think I need to see it again to get more out of it because yeah. there's, there's things there that are they're perhaps a bit more hidden. Um, mm. And especially after discussing with you guys for the past uh, 30 odd minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, this is the thing I would argue that I, I you're mentioning the bit where he threatens to commit suicide on yeah. air. Yeah. I'd argue that scene is funny. In the sense of because the whole point of this is obviously, you know, no one notices yep. that he's yeah, actually just saying, <laughs> they're all just ignoring they're him. Like, what? They, you know, and like, what? for me, that's the moment where the pin drops and you go like, oh, oh. this is this is a funny film. Like, you know, this is, that's really satirical. It's really about the way they're just like, what? What happened? Like, yeah, they're just in this kind of complacency. Maybe know, I'm but... just a bit slow. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was, I mean, the way you say it, it was played for last, but when you, I don't know, maybe comments of suicide it's just like yeah no completely yeah what's going on here but the fact that they didn't yeah they didn't stop and take notes straight away yeah they're all still like, sort of happily chatting away oh, right. did you did you hear what he said did he say he's going to commit suicide okay good bye <laughs> um, <laughs> in the back room. um small screen score uh small screen score i would go with a 4.9 um <laughs> on this only because i actually kind of think it's perfect for small screen because obviously you know you're watching a film about tv and a lot of segments in it are meant to be tv broadcasts and stuff so i think it works perfectly well on the small screen the only reason i wouldn't give it the full five is just because it was made in 76 by uh, a prestige filmmaker like lumet um who would have been shooting on film and very much thinking about that film going into cinemas yeah. everything like that and i i think you know, with older films like that, they were made for cinema. You know, well, actually, you they, didn't have TV. They had TVs, but they were tiny. Yeah, they wouldn't be when really would... thinking about that film going on to TV. So I kind of think there's always that element there. But I do think it works very, very well on the small screen. Yeah, well, I went with five stars because I do think it's really apt to be watching this film on on a TV. So uh, yeah, I think it's perfect for for TV viewing. Yeah, I'm also five. It's kind of a little bit meta, isn't it, to watch it on TV? Mm. I think it's it's quite it's quite funny. Um, yeah, and and the fact that it 
so frequently tops the best films on Netflix yeah. lists and, you know, the best films of the 70s and, you know, the prestige that comes with it. It's If you haven't seen it, then now is your chance. I'm going to go lower than you guys. I'm going to go 3.8. I think I would agree with you in terms of the cinematic style. And I think these old films look really good. They would look really nice in a, in a cinema. Perhaps don't need to. Uh, but I'm going to give it a lower score because I think maybe just because I'm slow. Um, <laughs> I, think the pin, I think the pin would have dropped a lot quicker had I not been watching it by myself um, one like early, okay. early one morning. You're painting thing. a really sad picture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't like on your bike watching it or anything like that, were you? No. No. That's... You only do that for TV. No, I do that for yeah Netflix series. Box sets. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is true. <laughs> you watch it on your bike what are you talking have, about have an indoor turbo trainer oh, bike, right. so. oh so not out on the <laughs> street <laughs> that's, uh, I thought I should clarify that's dangerous Only crash 28 <laughs> times this year <laughs> um, that's what I was going to say so I think I think this would have led me you would have liked the collective experience yeah I think it would have led me to understanding what the film was about a lot quicker uh, yeah, yeah, but then I it would have maybe you. got a, a lower repeat viewing score so Swings around about. Um, engagement score. Uh, I would go with a four, I think, on this. Uh, you know, I do think it's a very engaging, um, good film. Uh, I don't think it's absolutely, you know, completely gripping at every single point. Uh, you know, I think there is the occasional moment where you might slip out of it ever so slightly. But, you know, I think it's a compelling watch but just not quite on the five intensity scale yeah i went with three because i was just like had i not had to watch it i think i would have dropped out quite early on it's not until it gets to the bit where he says he's going to commit suicide and everyone's is like... quite early on then? It is, it, early, it, on. is, it is early on. But I still was quite like, <laughs> what's like going on? two minutes in or yeah, something. Yeah, I was. I w- if I hadn't had to is watch it... Is that your two-minute rule for I, I would have been like, I'm out. Paul <laughs> <laughs> <What laughs> Magdalene Sisters. <laughs> what, what film has fallen foul of the two-minute rule? Um, oh, I, I don't know. Like It would have been TV movies that I've walked in and been like, no, not not interested and walked out. Like, um, so you go to class this as in the same ballpark as a TV movie. I, well, I get, no, no, no. As in a movie that is being shown on okay. TV. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, this. Um, but yeah, because at, at first I was just like, "What is? I don't really okay." And then <laughs> it the suicide bit. He he says he's going to commit suicide, and everyone's like, "Did he just?" What? And then I was like laughing my ass off when that happened and really finding it hysterical and then I was like okay I'm in I know what right this is really interesting so yeah three <laughs> 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 uh, yeah I, I'm gonna give it a four um I mean I, I kind of stuck with it I would have liked it been just a little bit pacier and it gets a little bit mm. flabby at the end until they kind of come up with the sort of genius way to end their problems um and also, I did kind of get a little bit sucked in and reading about all the kind of trivia about it, which is completely fascinating. Like, there's so much trivia and bits about um, 
people wanting to play and sending in their tapes and all that kind of stuff and the award trivia and all that stuff is really, really interesting. Sorry, so that's people something. sending in their tapes, what do you yeah, mean? Yeah, so basically I think Peter Finch really, really wanted the role, but they oh, right, they okay. were they didn't want to have him because he was Australian. So he basically sent a tape of him, an audition tape in an American accent and they were like, Okay, great. So there's all this kind of like weird, wonderful trivia about it. That's which, what Dominic West did to get in, into the wire. But it, it works, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. That's this what Rupert Grint did to get on um, Harry Potter. That's what Elijah Wood did to get in Lord of the Rings. My uh, favourite bit of trivia <laughs> from this film was... Uh, There's a lot, isn't there? ...was uh, William Holden's disgust at doing a sex scene. Yes. With this brilliant quote where he said, I believe lovemaking is a private thing. And I don't enjoy seeing the pictures of it on screen. So he had to take some real convincing to do the love making scene with Faye Dunaway in this film. Like, yeah, he's just like this disgusting. And apparently they didn't get on very well either. Oh, really? So, yeah, it was really hard work. Wow. So there's all this brilliant trivia yeah. that you can get lost in at the same time as watching it. But I recommend <laughs> maybe watching and triviaing separately. At what point do you you pull out the phone and start going hit the yellow the yellow icon for imdb on your phone i don't know um i mean i had a quick look before and then while i was watching it i was trying to work out who everyone was and then just kind of got sucked in i guess it's one of those it is one of those films where you could be like and what's going on exactly okay who where's she come from Because Robert Duvall's character, for, yeah, um, he's in it. Yeah, yeah. Robert Duvall's in it. We haven't, t- yeah. we haven't touched on him. mentioned Robert Duvall. Yeah. He's, he, he's great. I mean, there, there's a great moment with Duvall um, where he kind of <laughs> rubs his hands together with glee as soon as he realizes that it's going to make money. Going, you know, that it's going to score big ratings, everything like that. It's a really funny kind of moment with him where he's absolutely <laughs> loving it. Like he's like Scrooge McDuck or something. <laughs> and another one in it is. A fake fact. So basically, people were convinced that one of the shooters at the ends was Tim Robbins. Oh, right. <laughs> and basically, he's denied it. And he was like, basically, I was like in college at the time or something when it was filmed. It wasn't me. So he was old enough. He, he was like, I'm no, I was nowhere near it. That definitely isn't me. But it it's does not real look like him. him. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, so there's all this kind of like great trivia that is on IMDb. Oh, some of it may be true, some of it might not be. And what's that, a four, you said? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, st- I stuck with it, and, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's once they've done the TV show thing a few times, you're kind of like, okay, move it on a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, they are mad as hell bit. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then it kind of picks it up at the end. I'm going to, engagement score. I feel I, met, I feel I missed a trick. So maybe it just wasn't in maybe it was in the zone the first time I watched it. Um I think I'm gonna go for three point one. The um but I think in future future viewings, I think I'll be there mm. waiting for it to wash over me. Are you saying you go watch network every week for Flix Watcher from now on until you get the film? <laughs> <laughs> just, just at least one more time. What should I say? Like, every week. I don't know why you insinuated that my You comments. did say you were so going like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, 3.95. That's pretty high. Yeah. That's, that's nearly right. a four. Yeah, that's decent. Um, oh, as, to be honest, as expected. We expected it to be quite high going into it. I would have thought if someone had said to you, "We're going to re- you're going to review Network, where on the sliding scale of the 
Yeah. I'd been mm. surprised if we'd all turned up and gone, oh, it's a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> so as always, uh, we will give a little shout out on Twitter when we're doing a recording. We'll have a tweet with a little gif and it'll ask you to... Um, Give a five-star review, your review, and a little short review. So do look out for that and uh, reply to that tweet if you've seen the film we're reviewing. So let's have a look what we've got. So, Liam, would you like to read the first one out? Okay. Uh, so this is at Martin Austwick. Friend of the show. Uh, he says... Five stars, probably the funniest and best written jab at capitalist America last century. Sharp, hilarious, cathartic, close to the bone. Yeah. Uh, Eleanor. Um, so the next one is from at WWTT podcast, uh, what were they thinking podcast? And it says it's about four stars, I think, but I barely remember it. Been a long time. <laughs> Thanks for commenting, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Helen, do you want to take the next one? So this is from Lindsay, and then it's like a little cute emoji thingy that she's done with symbols and stuff, at snark underscore maiden. With the ownership of mass media being more consolidated than ever, a satire it holds up very well, as does the battle of hard news versus news as entertainment. The dark humour provides a nice balance as well. A very timely rewatch, and then she's given it... Four corn on the cobs, which I think I'm going to translate as four stars. Star equals corn on the cob. And we've got some... Um, stragglers. Stragglers who were kind of... They lost commented, the but then lost in Twitter. But Eleanor has recovered some. Do you want to read a couple of those out? Yeah, so um, at Matt Brothers uh, has gone four stars from me. Really loved the recent stage version too. An electric mix of theatrical and screen acting that's one thing we should point out fucking yeah, Brian Cranston Brian Cranston's in, in it yeah, uh, yeah. and I, I completely went by me what fucking idiot yeah someone I work with um, went to see it and then kind of like hung around afterwards and, and said met Brian. yeah met Brian met, met and Bri. had, <laughs> had his photo taken with him and everything he said yeah he was a lovely guy and uh, the show the was man. really good yeah then we have uh, at Drumble saying, uh, I'd say a low five stars. It's uh, Lamette <laughs> at his best. Performances are all exceptional and the dialogue is so well written that you almost forgive the fact that every character seems to be talking in the exact same voice. And then we have at John P. Hardy. It's a classic that's, of course, still highly relevant. The acting, camera, style, etc. all fine. But the way the themes are presented is what makes this timeless for me. It's all in the script. A high three stars, maybe a low four. <laughs> What's this? It's either four stars or five stars. It's not A minus, but not a score. I think they are using... Both of those people are, are friends of mine, and I think they're using me and John Hardy's patented uh, rating system <laughs> that we came up during our film production degree at university, which is divided into high, mid, and low of the kind of one, two, three, four, and five stars. So I think they're using that. And, uh, it is it is an excellent system. So. <laughs> you said it's patented. How much did it cost to patent? <laughs> Not literally painted. It, it, it was muddy wasted. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've got to say, I, I I don't agree with David about all the characters. You don't, the you, don't, you don't have to agree with him. I, I think he's. I think <laughs> he's like wrong. He, can. he knows him personally. <laughs> I, I think he's thinking of his beloved Sorkin. I think in that case, of all characters sounding the same. I think so. 
Okay. <laughs> well, loosely, four stars was kind of the average that came out of that, yeah. which sort of matches what we did. Yeah, nice scores. Guys, um, where'd you come from? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where'd you go? Um, well, I presume you'll want to know where you can find more about my work on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can find more about Spotlight Podcast at Spotlight Pod. Uh, so if you've enjoyed hearing me on this show today, then go and have a look at that. It's also at Spotlight Pod on Instagram as well. You can find uh, Bygones on Facebook and Twitter at Bygones Podcast and on Instagram at Bygones Pod. Right. Super. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Pleasure. And uh, we'll see you guys for the next episode. There's, I'm talking to you listeners now. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting very confused there. Okay. Bye. 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 You'll never leave. <laughs> Well, thanks, guys, for listening to Flixwatcher Podcast. Um, please do come and find us online. We're on Twitter at FlixwatcherPod. Come and visit our website, flixwatcher.tv. Thank you so much to our fantastic editor, Brendan Russell, for his fantastic editing skills, of course, and to Mighty People for the tunes you can hear right now.